Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, the Premier League returns on Boxing Day with a bang. Seven games and we have... Premier League legends Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges to pick up where we left off before the World Cup break. After 15 match weeks, Arsenal top 37 points, five-point gap ahead of Manchester City in second. Newcastle have played a game more but sit third. Just a single point behind them is Spurs to round out the top four. Man U fifth on 26, four points ahead of sixth-placed Liverpool and five points ahead of equal seventh Brighton and Chelsea. Bridgie, Mark Schwarzer, we're finally back. It feels like a massive gear change, but how do you see the resumption playing out? Well, <laughs> I feel it's going to be uh, interesting, isn't it? Um, look, it's really hard to get your head around the Premier League coming back again after such a, uh, a busy month with the World Cup and, and moving on. But I, I, I think, look, the problem for Arsenal is Jesus is a big loss for them um, moving forward. And I think that uh, I think Manchester City, you look at their squad and you look at the players that actually haven't gone uh, to the World Cup, certainly in Holland. Um, I think there's there's, there's a, a big advantage for City, and I, I consider them closing the gap sooner rather than later. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to say with Manchester City, I'm actually going to be at Manchester City's first game. It's at Ellen Road against Leeds United. And it's not going to be easy for Leeds United, not the return that you would want. And then the game after that for Manchester City is against Everton as well. So that's a nice start for them coming back to the to the Premier League. Uh, and I agree with Swartzy with, with the the thing with Jesus um, being injured. That is a massive, massive loss for Arsenal. But the Premier League is back. It's very exciting. And I'm so looking forward just to kickstart because I've got the football fever. I've got the buzz of the World Cup. I've been used to watching four games a day. It's been sensational. So the shorter the turnaround, the better it is. And obviously at Optusport, we've got it back. Uh, Bridgie, pick a mover and shaker. Do you think the top four is set? And if it's not, who do you see that is potentially vulnerable to drop out? Who is vulnerable to drop out? I'm... If you're looking at that with the Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle and Tottenham, the likely one would be a Newcastle United. Uh, I mean, their form has been sensational. The break um, couldn't have come at a worse time for them. If there was going to be any of the top four, it would be Newcastle. I'm hoping it's not because I've got them in one of my predictions for the top four. And, you know, Manchester United closely behind um, Tottenham with three points to go with the game in hand. And then you've got Liverpool. And I'm, I'm hoping to see Chelsea pick up some points as well. I think they, they could come back with a, a kickstart. So if there's anybody in that top four, uh, it would only be Newcastle United, in my opinion. Mark Schwarzer, how do you feel about the state of the top of the table right now? Do you see anyone collapsing after the return from the World Cup break? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily collapsing. Um, we mentioned before Arsenal. I think Arsenal will, will, will drop off the top uh, because of Jesus. Um, I'm not so sure. Newcastle really depends on what happens in this window, uh, the January transfer window, uh, what sort of players they bring in, uh, into, into the club. Um, I, I don't really see Man United being a major threat, um, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, however, 
maybe with Ronaldo gone, maybe that will make it a lot easier for, for United to do better business in the transfer window. And also, I think for Team Harmony, maybe a better thing. Um, yeah, look, it, again, at the moment as it stands, probably I have to agree with Bridgie, which is unusual. Um, and, and Newcastle is the one. Um, but Spurs, Spurs is, Conte, you just don't know, do you? You wonder whether or not with Conte, the message has stopped. Um, you know, being really brought in, like has the message stopped working for them? Um, and that's that's the big thing. All right, let's uh, quickly run through some of the big names that weren't at the World Cup that will be playing in the Premier League. We've obviously OD'd on Messi and also Mbappe, but let's not forget Erling Haaland, Mo Salah, Martin Odegaard, Riyad Mahrez, Andy Robertson, Wilfred Zaha, Dejan Kulisevsky, Alexander Izak and Jorginho. There are some big, big players that have had a month's break. Although I see Kulisevsky saying that uh, Antonio Conte was making him suffer in that break in Tottenham training. So maybe it wasn't as much of a rest as you might think. Bridgie, what sort of impact do you think that uh, the World Cup break has had for some of those top-line superstars? Do you know what? It's, 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 the rest could have done them the world of good. But when, you, when we talk about rest, it's not actually rest. It's rest from... From game time, sometimes um, it, what used to happen when I was at Leeds United, you get the international break, and unfortunately, once I got above the age of 21, the international breaks, um, I didn't have the full international cap, so a lot of the players would be going away to international games, and the lads that stay behind, you'd think you were going to get a bit of a break. You'd actually work your socks off, and you'd, you'd get punished a bit more. You might get the odd one or two days um lay down but then you'd be back in full training so like Kulosevsky said I don't think they'll still be monitoring still have to keep their loads up um, and I honestly think some of the players that have gone to the World Cup that haven't been getting as much game time if any game time have probably come back a little bit underdone because so what you'll give you a better idea on this with the international scene I used to get together with the 21s and you know the, the younger age groups of England, it was a lot more relaxed atmosphere. There was a lot more relaxed in training because you're gearing yourself up for for the match. They're expecting you to turn up fit and, and be there. You used to do a lot more harder training at your club level. So the lads that have gone away and not got the game time under their belt will be underdone. And I think the players that have been there training really hard, they'll, they'll be a lot more fresher and, and ready to go um, with the, the, the fitness levels. Mark, is there a risk of a, a mental drop-off here, though, for the players that have only been training and maybe playing the odd friendly for the last month? There is, there is a little bit, but I think, like Bridget was saying, I, I think also the fact that the Premier League clubs have had opportunities to play games um, in the lead-up. And, and, and Bridget's right, you know, the players, when you go to a World Cup, it's so intense, the pressure is so enormous, the environment, um, you're in a pressure cooker. And sometimes the release afterwards... Um, is quite huge and you, and you feel drained because you've put everything into those moments of being in a World Cup. Um, so I think the, the bigger danger is the players coming back from World Cup, whether or not they're able to lift back up to the levels that they were performing at the World Cup without kind of having a bit of a burnout um, mid-season. What about the players that are coming back from the World Cup then? Uh, do you think this could be manifested in terms of injuries? Could it be in terms of strategic rest? Could it even be in terms of a block of rest? I mean, we see in some of the Continental Leagues, they like to have a Christmas break. Could it be that managers and clubs will self-enforce that sort of a break on players, Mark? I think uh, where clubs can, they will. I mean, not every club is going to have the same luxury, right? So it depends on their squads. It depends on what they're playing for, where they are, and uh, how desperate they need certain players back. 
Uh, but I think where clubs can, I think clubs will be looking to ease players back in um, and uh, give them breaks whenever they can. It may even be the case that they get them back straight away, get them back into the side and play one or two games, you know, that are, that are big games coming up, get points back, you know, making sure they've got points on the, on the board. Then there's a couple of cup games, they'll be resting them, they're sending players away possibly. So, yeah, it, it's going to be, uh, this is where the managers really have to, have to earn their, their, their keep. They have to really manage their squad even more so now with this World Cup. Bridgie, is, is this going to be looked at largely through the lens of England players, though? If English players get injured, the World Cup will be blamed. If, say, you know, Kevin De Bruyne gets injured, Belgium went out in the group stage. Does that necessarily even get blamed on the World Cup if it's a player that was out of the tournament a couple of weeks ago already? Listen, I'm going to find that managers, you know, uh, Klopp, I've never heard him come out with so many excuses and uh, since this season, they've all seemed to be coming out. So I'm sure we'll see a few more towards the, the end of this season, no doubt about it. Um, will the World Cup be blamed? It, it depends where you finish and how your results are going to be. Yes, there will be. Obviously, if I'm Arteta and I'm losing Jesus, I'm going to be absolutely fuming if I don't. If we don't go on to win the the title um, in the lack of goals that he has caused, but it's the same for everybody. Um, I think it, it's obviously impacted the bigger clubs a lot more because they've had a lot more players at the World Cup. But then again, they've got bigger squads than some of the teams that have come up and are in the in the Premier League, like Leeds United, uh, Brentford, they haven't got as big a squads. Forest probably the, the team that's got the biggest amount of players since they've been promoted. They've signed a million. Um, but yeah, there's definitely going to be excuses between now and the end of the season blamed on the World Cup, no doubt about it, for the players being injured, but also blamed on them, like what you're saying, coming back mentally underdone as well. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Bridgie, what do you think Pep Guardiola will do about Julian Alvarez? He's been so important on Argentina's run to the final. Do you think we will see him change Manchester City's style to incorporate both Alvarez and Haaland? And could that even mean switching to a 4-4-2? Teo, Pep Guardiola switching to a 4-4-2. Are you absolutely mental? Not a chance he would give the English and Sam Allardyce or the English manager Mike Bassett the movie The Satisfaction of Doing That. Um, it's it's such a luxury that he's got. I mean, to think that Haaland has gone away, he's, he hasn't played any games, but he's leading the charts with 18 goals in the Premier League, which is absolutely scary. He's coming back fresh as. And then you've got a man in Alvarez who I really rate highly and not being able to get a game. He's probably going to have the luxury of getting his opportunity in some Champions League fixtures, um, the Carabao Cup. Um, yeah, all, the, all, the, all the cup ties that they, they, they are in I can't see him pushing Haaland and it's a nice luxury to have known that you've got somebody waiting in the wings if Haaland does get injured or suspended of that quality but I can't see him changing changing the 4-4-2 if, if he does I'll tell you what mate I'll, I'll buy you 20 bottles of red wine there you go if he changes to a 4-4-2 I'll be sending them over from the Hunter Valley your way uh, that would be much appreciated, Bridgie, because uh, I might then flog them for a profit. Thank you. Teo's recommending a four-four-two to play them both up front. I've, I've had to laugh them off at that one, mate. No chance. No chance, Teo. I can't see it. Pep's not going to change 
He's system to four four two, mate. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's Savvy stitched me up on the rundown here. I'm coughing pelters for this. I think you have to settle for a spot on the, on the bench. I, I can't see anything else really. Um, I think he's, you know, you, you've got uh, you've got a, a Harlan there, and he's a phenomenal, obviously, striker. He's someone that uh, has worked incredibly hard. We've seen a lot of the videos, a lot of the pictures of how much he's worked, and he's, he, his record speaks for itself. I, I can't see Julian Alvarez getting in ahead of him. The only way it could happen is if he, if, if Pep Guardiola finds a, a way to incorporate him, and, and I think he could. I think he could play out up out wide um, as one of the winging winger players. And I, and I think that would work quite well for him. Uh, now, the Cristiano Ronaldo sideshow, that's finally over at Manchester United. And under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the season before, they had some young attackers that were starting to try to break through and establish themselves before Ronaldo came back and made it all about himself. Could this be the blessing in disguise for Eric Ten Hag, uh, especially now that he has a fit Anthony Martial back in the ranks? Yeah, I think you'd be delighted that that saga is over. And, you know, I think a lot of Manchester United players will be as well when they come back. It's such a sad... You know, I got hammered um, on social media by some of the fans who are, you know, rave about Ronaldo. He tarnished his legacy with Manchester United fans, there's no doubt about it, with the football club. He's not bigger than the club at all. Um, And I thought it was really sad. You know, we're looking at Messi lift the World Cup and going out gracefully and leaving a legacy in one way. And Ronaldo just seems to be doing everything the opposite way. Hopefully he can kickstart his... You know his opportunity again with whatever club he ends up going to to play the remainder of his of his career. Um, but for for Ten Hag, I think it's absolutely awesome that he's getting what he's done. He's got the backing um, to play the way that he wants to play with a bit of a press from the front, like you say, with Martial and Rashford and players like that. They can do it. And Sancho is another one that's got to up his game and prove his worth at that football club as well. And then Anthony coming back from the World Cup, he'll have a bee in his bonnet because they didn't go as far. So. I think the players, some of the players will have the shackles off. It's not all about the the Ronaldo circus anymore. Arsenal, we touched on them losing Gabriel Jesus. And the squad for the Gunners didn't have too many players featured in the latter stages of the tournament. Bukayo Saka had a strong showing for England. Do you actually think that they will have benefited, net benefit from the break? Or does the loss of Jesus outweigh anything else that they may have gained from the rest for the rest of their squad? Yeah, totally. I mean, when you think how immense he has been since he moved from City the goals he's scored the goals he's created as well and the way that he's you know the dynamics of the press from the front he's understood that with Pep Guardiola what he's had to do he's a workhorse um, but you know Saka fantastic player no doubt about it did, did very well for England I was gutted that we didn't see more of Martinelli at the World Cup because I thought his form for Arsenal as well the, the way he works for this team as well uh, under Arteta. They'll be delighted that he's come back fit and ready to go. And you know, I'm, the, the captain Odegaard, he, he's been absolutely magnificent. He's been being wrapped up in cotton wool as well and ready to go. So, yeah, they, you, can, you can take it how it is. The biggest thing for them is that number nine position with Jesus. They'll be absolutely good. Bridgie, it wouldn't be the Gagan pod if we didn't ask you a Spurs question. Now, Son has not started the season the way he would have liked. Kulisevsky has had a month off. There are injury clouds, though, over both Richarlison and also Harry Kane. He'll have the weight of the English media bearing down upon him after the manner in which England exited the tournament. So how are you feeling about your beloved Spurs? My beloved Spurs, if you'd asked me that question, you said that Harry Kane was injured and Son was obviously not having his best. I would be very, very worried. However, 
this is a different Tottenham Hotspur. You've just mentioned names there. Kulusevsky, uh, you know, fresh, ready to go. He'll be looking forward to it. At some point, Richarlison will be good. And I just think Harry Kane is just... I think that they're covering this with a little bit of smokescreen just to hide the fact of what went on with these penalties. They'll be more worried about the mental state of Harry Kane rather than the injury worries, to be fair, because he's... He's a strong-minded player, but that will have definitely affected him. So the quicker they can get him back, um, no doubt they'll be having some some help, I would imagine, because inside the clubs now they've got psychologists, they've got people that mentor, and that is the biggest. That is my biggest worry for Harry Kane: how he how he can handle um, getting getting back on that field and when that ball is back on the penalty spot for Tottenham Hotspur. Bridgie, the transfer window. What players that have shone at the World Cup would you like to see in the Premier League? We know that Wanahi. Uh, the Moroccan midfielder who's down at the bottom of League 1. He's already been linked to a number of teams, including Leicester City. Cody Gakpo gets linked every day to Manchester United. Josko Gvardiol, though, the Croatian defender, he has said he's happy at RB Leipzig. And I wonder if that's just a way of making sure that when the offers come in, it is primo top dollar. So, Bridgie, who do you want to see joining the Premier League? I'll tell you what there. You've mentioned his name there. Gradiol, he's been absolutely brilliant. I think he's been in everybody's pick for the World Cup team centre-half. Magnificent. I would love to see him come um, into the Premier League. No doubt about it. His, his quality of defending has shown that. He's, he's been, I love his toughness as well. I think he would embrace it. Can anyone um, other than Newcastle afford him? Like This is a serious question. Like, RB Leipzig can put a mean old price on his head and he'll be commanding top, top wages as well. Can they? Yes, they can. Man United would have a go, surely. Wouldn't, would Liverpool have a crack as well? I'm sure if, if there's that type of, type of quality, if, they, if you're needing to push the checkbook out. Chelsea as well. Of course, of course there is plenty of teams with that kind of money. I just know that Leeds United will not be in the hunt for that, sadly. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be one of the top, top six or top eight, no doubt about it. And the other one, Gap, Gapco has been absolutely amazing. I've, I've loved seeing... The way I didn't realise how good he actually was till I saw what he was all about. He, he's got so many different things to his um, capabilities. Uh, I like the way he can drift into the attack. He can play as the nine. He can play as an attacking midfielder. His aerial presence, his timing of his runs. I was super impressed with him. Um, and another lad, Amrabat from Morocco. Tell me, you talk about midfielders. Amrabat has been absolutely everywhere. He's played midfield, defensive midfield, attacking midfield, centre half. I don't know what age he is, but if there's some teams don't want to sign this guy, um, he's another lad that will be in everybody's World Cup team, no, no doubt about it. He, he was absolutely monumental. He's a captain, he's a leader, and if there's anybody that's shown at the World Cup that deserves a move, it's him. Well, he's at Fiorentina and he's only 26, Bridgie, so he's in the prime years of his well, career. there you go, man. Snap him but up now. Azadine Unahi, he's considerably younger. I think he's only 22. And he's playing down at the bottom of, of League R. He's, he's on a similar trajectory, sort of like an N'Golo Kante or a Riyad Mahrez, having been in the lower French divisions, and now he's only just starting to break out and make a name for himself. And is there any risk here that one of these players might be El Haji Diouf and go for a massive fee and then not live up to the billing? Or are you confident that these players have shown us enough of the quality that we're not going to see a, a high-profile bust off the back of this World Cup? Well, I've seen a couple of players from Holland that have come over with these unbelievable ratios um, and get in the Premier League and really struggle to find their feet. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping Gakpo is not that type of player and he can, he can get through that. Um, 
But like you say, I, ju- I just think if there's, there's, there's players out there still that, that haven't even appeared at this World Cup that are on this scouting reports or on Y Scout, you'll be monitoring them. Like you, you'll find a canty every now and again um, from them lower regions. I don't think they'll get that massive move originally. There'll, there'll be some little shrewd business going on, and then it's the big dollars for the next move. Cristiano Ronaldo. If Manchester United are to replace him, who is top of the wish list for the transfer? Is it Cody Gakpo? Or is there someone else in the world of football you might prefer to see go to the Red Devils? Um, oh, man, that's a cracking question. I mean, Gakpo suits that type of play under Tan Hag. He knows what he would like him to do. He understands the Dutch philosophy, the, the pressing. Um, I think he would be, if, if it was me, that would be the number one target. I, I've, I've got to say, if you're, losing, if you're losing Ronaldo, he would be, he would be the go-to man. Um, it would be funny to see Messi go there, wouldn't it? Just to show him up even more. <laughs> but it's never <laughs> going to happen because when you've got him and Mbappe at PSG, but wouldn't that just be brilliant if Messi could go there and end up top scorer for the season for Man United? It's never going to happen. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely... It, it would be Gakpo for me, definitely. Big thanks to Michael Bridges and Mark Schwarzer. The Premier League is back from 11.30pm on the night of Boxing Day, Monday the 26th of December. That's 11.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Brentford versus Tottenham gets the ball rolling in the Premier League once again. At 2am Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Tuesday the 27th of December, you've got Southampton Brighton, Leicester Newcastle, Palace Fulham, Everton Wolves, and then at 4.30am Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Aston Villa against Liverpool, and if you're not done there, at 7am Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Tuesday, the 27th of December, Arsenal against West Ham. Seven matches to bring back the Premier League. It is all live and exclusive on Optus Sport, and don't forget, you get the mini-matches, you get the highlights, you get all the written coverage and the social follow-ups as well, so make When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Make sure you've got the Optus Sport app open, the Optus Sport website open. Follow all the Optus Sport social media channels. Doesn't matter if it's Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Optus Sport is on all of them. And the Gagan Pod will be back to weekly podcasts as well with our panel of experts breaking down the Premier League, looking at La Liga and looking at the women's WSL along with all the biggest storylines in football. So wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate us five stars. This is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. I've been your host, Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for listening. This was the Gagan Pod.